Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful gathered here. Kindle in us the fire of your love, Lord. Your word says that when you send forth your spirit, the earth is recreated and your people will be renewed. Speak, Lord. We long to hear your voice. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. I preached on Sunday, and apparently Ryan borrowed it for his Arbor Landing reflection, uh, this idea that the whole of Christian discipleship essentially hinged on two words that Jesus says to his disciples that we heard in the gospel. I talked about the difference uh, between what we heard read in Leviticus, that long list, uh, I've got it right here, I'm glad he left it, of things that God commands his people to do to their neighbors. So imagine the people that live on either side of you or across the street from you, and imagine, I hope particularly for this reflection, the one or two of those people that just irritates the daylights out of you. They don't keep their yard nice. They don't bring their trash cans in promptly. Uh, they don't keep their dog. For any reason you can think of, and it may not have to be your neighbors you have now, it may be other neighbors you've had. If you were in the military, you were often put on base next to people that you didn't necessarily choose, and so you had to learn how to get along, and you did it through gritted teeth. You kind of grinned and bared it. But deep down in your heart, um, you knew just how bad those people were. And I'm using bad in air quotes. I was telling Ryan it's probably uh, the fault of the people who don't wipe the water out of their sinks. And he started to laugh. Um, it's just one of those odd behaviors I have that I, I, when I'm finished with anything around a sink, I just wipe. It's, it's obsessive compulsive. But it actually has led to me being judgmental about other people, and he's cracking him up, who don't keep their sinks as clean and fresh as Gary does. And then, of course, the question was asked, well, how's that working for you? And I'm like, well, it's not working because I'm more irritated than I've ever been. You know? So these things that we harbor in our hearts, you know, when we think we're, we're following the law, we're following the law. And the law that's in Leviticus is a big list. Don't steal. Uh, leave something for the poor. Don't deal falsely. Don't lie. Don't swear. Don't profane your neighbor. Don't oppress your neighbor. Don't rob your neighbor. Um, don't curse your neighbor. Don't put a stumbling block. I mean, this list is gigantic. There's not a person in this room, not a person on Sundays, if they were being honest with themselves, that would sit here and think, well, I'm doing pretty good with that list. And that was the whole, the whole point of the sermon, that Jesus leans in with just a couple hours to go before he's going to get arrested, and he adds two words to this commandment that every good Jew would have known, would have memorized. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he leans in after washing their feet and says, I want you to go now in the new commandment and do this just as. So that was my whole, the whole point of my sermon was, um, Jesus enables us to be able to do the commandment by those two simple words, just as. All of Christian discipleship, I, I suggested, hinges on the idea that because Jesus does what we can't do for ourselves and then turns and offers it back to us as a gift, should we receive it, then we have a hope, we have a chance at living in this just as love. So I'm going to take it a, a step further for a few more minutes and ask you to think about this for a second. 
When Carrie Underwood uh, won American Idol years ago, it's a television show where people get up and sing. I'm sure most of y'all either have seen it or know about it. As soon as she became a popular country singer, one of her early big hits was Jesus Take the Wheel. Everybody, most of y'all familiar with that? Jesus Take the Wheel, or at least the expression. It's usually the way people talk when they're at the end of their rope. Uh, you know, Jesus, come here and change the situation. Jesus, take over my life. Jesus, take the wheel. Um, on the other end of the spectrum of, of slogans or Christian ideas, I think, uh, would be that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. Remember that one came out and people had them all over their cars? Until somebody rightly went, well, wait a minute. Isn't that wrong? Shouldn't God be the pilot and you be the co-pilot? I'm sure the person who did it, well-intended, with trying to get the message out there that they're a person who believes in God. But the truth is, right, God should be the pilot. Amen? Because if he's the co-pilot, we're stuck in our Leviticus way of looking at the Christian life. If God's the co-pilot, then what we're saying is, we know the way, we can read a map, we, we have enough money in savings, we, we've got this. Thank you, Lord. One of the most powerful sermons I ever heard was by one of my African-American brothers in the RE Church. And he talked about when we say things like that, you know, God, I got this one. It's as if we're going to the cross, we're wrapping our arms around Jesus' legs, and we're trying to pull him off of the cross because what we're saying is we don't need you to go to the cross for us. But the reality is we do, amen? The reality is, and God knows us, we couldn't live in that Leviticus Commandment because we were consistently failing. Consistently failing. So, what I don't want us to think today, as I talk about allowing Jesus' words with the addition of those two just as in place, that just believing that because he said it, we'll suddenly be empowered or emboldened to go do it. Because in our own strength, uh, we usually don't last longer than a day or two uh, trying to muster up the right attitude and live as godly as possible. We certainly wouldn't last a week and definitely not a month. I keep telling people on the staff, I'm trying to maintain a good attitude, and I'm saying it out loud because I want to begin to believe it. But the truth of the matter is, that'll only get me so far till I stub my toe or till somebody says something ugly to me or till I get, you know, then I'll just, my good attitude will go right out the window if I'm trying to maintain a good attitude in my own strength. The missing ingredient in all of this and the way our lectionary is going to turn us starting this week is to the Holy Spirit. You know, this service, we keep doing it week in and week out because we do need to take communion, we do need to have Eucharist, but we also believe that God heals. So we come here today for Eucharist and healing prayer because we believe that his spirit is the power, the dunamis, that will enable us to begin to follow him. Not perfectly, but at least consistently. It's one of the things I love about the Alpha Course when we get to who is the Holy Spirit, um, what does he do, and how can I receive him? It's, it's, it's the talk that actually has three parts to it. When we do the Alpha Course here, hopefully in the fall or spring, we'll, um, we'll get to the Holy Spirit weekend, and we take a whole weekend to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. But the one thing uh, that I'll never forget in that course that I love to remind myself is, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was present. But he was present, and it's important that we say he, he was present, the third person of the Trinity, uh, in particular people or on particular people, 
at particular times in particular places. It was, it was not a light switch that the person controlled. It was when the Lord God wanted to send his spirit on people to do particular things at particular times. The Holy Spirit was given in measure. And what Jesus promises in that upper room, as he reminds his disciples of those two important commandments, love God and love your neighbor, is that he's going to make it possible that we could begin to live into that just as life because he's not going to leave us alone. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go anymore. This is that alpha point. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us and will have living water and power flowing out of us. So my question to end the reflection is, are we living in the power of the Spirit? And the answer for most of us would be probably yes, sometimes, when I think about it or when I'm praying. Maybe I invite the Lord to come in a powerful way and manifest his Spirit in me. But I think it's, I think Jesus in this just as love actually gives us a little help here. If when I say something like that, you immediately start to go, well, you're right, Gary. I don't think about my, the Holy Spirit power enough in my life. Jesus says that doesn't matter. All that matters is we believe him. We, we, we believe Jesus' promise. And then we can kind of lean back and go, well, your promise is that he's in me all the time. So even when I don't know it. The Spirit of God is with me. We're never alone, and we're always enabled to walk out this just as love in our lives. So, today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, until we meet again, celebrate. Um, Dwell on this idea that the Holy Spirit is now present everywhere we go. He's in your spouse. Uh, He's in any Christian believer, and he's not something to be conjured. He is here. He is present like the light on this candle. It's an astounding gift, and it's the part of that just as love that makes everything possible. So let me pray. I'm just going to repeat what I said in the beginning. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful. Kindle in us the fire of your love so that we can go out and manifest your just as love. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.